And now for something completely different. Welcome to Shout Out. Out of the closet and into your ears. Hello and welcome to Shout Out. I'm Ali Shorten. And I'm Steffi Barnett. Today on the show we catch up with Hedaya. Uh, Steph catches up with Five Rivers Fostering. And Queer Story is back with the third part of the Anne Lister story. I'm loving that. Can't wait for that. So, uh, all coming today, right here on Shout Out. Hello, Terry. Hello, good evening. <laughs> How are you, mate? <laughs> I'm very well, thank you. Are you so, good, sir? A lovely Rose, who's... Oh, yeah, you had your buff, muffy headphones on earlier. They're gone. I did, yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, hello, They're only Andy. pretend headphones. Hello. Yeah, when, for when your ears get cold, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and uh, the lovely Steph, hello. Good evening, all. How are we all? Yeah, good. Quite tired, I won't lie. It's a... it's um yeah I'm I'm liking the fact that it's slowly but surely getting lighter in the evenings at the moment. Yes, springs yeah. on the way. Uh, it is really making a bit of a difference, you know. Um, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of hoping also the way things are going, lockdown is going to start to be easy. I think we find it is it Monday the government said they're going to announce something. I think isn't it? I I think Monday Monday they're they're going to announce some sort of idea about how, how lockdown yeah. is yeah, going to be eased, not necessarily yeah. when yeah. it's going to be a how. Have any have any of you? You had your uh, Andy. I think you've had your jab because you're in the NHS. Yes. Has anyone else yes, had I their have jab this. yet? Yeah, I've, I've had mine. Oh, I'm because and a you? website in America said that it turns you gay, apparently. <laughs> gay? Oh. Gay and transgender at the same time. It's a bit late for you, mate. Well... Exactly. It's strange, isn't it? There are some very strange beliefs out there. I know that... Uh, I was listening to the BBC Asian Network the other day with um, the Minister for Vaccination, who is uh, Nadim Zahawi, and uh, he really had to put some people in their places because there were some very strange uh, views mm. coming forward. Yeah. Well, it's, but yes, it's but weird, it? is one of them. But, I mean, it's like, if you watch, like, it's it's a sin, or if you read some of the articles about it, it's like, we, we think that this kind of, like, um, you know myths going around about what they do is a new invention just because of social media and it's not it's been ever since man's been able to talk you know it used to be the gossip in the pub and (laughs) it just didn't perhaps spread quite so far as it does these days in the Middle Ages, uh, Protestants and uh, Jews got blamed for the uh, Black Death, you know. So uh, it's very, very... Um, p- people are like that, you know. It's, uh, it was all really the gays, wasn't it? I mean, it's always the gays somehow. <laughs> well, well it's, yeah. And the weather, the flooding and the fires all yeah. at once. Yeah. Yes, although you, you, think, oh, yes. We, you yes. think we've had a tough time of it recently. I don't know if you've seen what's going on in America, but Texas, which is normally like a desert yeah. state, like really, really hot, is currently at minus 28 in under six feet of snow or something silly like that but yes, oh my god poor people and apparently the power keeps going off because it's so cold the demand is so high they can't generate <laughs> enough to, to keep it going so you think it's bad enough that there's snow suddenly your power goes off and you've got no heating 
Yeah. Yeah. And also, it's had devastating effects on wildlife there because, uh, mm. for example, birds that would normally not think about, you know, sort of winter as it were, you know, in that sense, it's 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 going to be really bad, the effects of it, mm. because they're just not used to the cold, those type of birds that live there. So, you know, yeah. all, all of that. Oh, yeah, I, have a, I have a friend who lives over there. He said, I was going to shovel the snow off my drive, but I realised I don't have a shovel. <laughs> <laughs> so oh, it never dear. snows. Why would I have one? <laughs> well, I, I, I just, I suppose. It, it just reminds me of, of the lyrics to the song "Missing" by Everything But the Girl, um, yeah. where, it, so, uh, where it talks about the, uh, the rain, the rain missing the desert. It's that sort of situation. It's a very, it, it's, it's very, very surreal. Yeah. Stay with us, listeners. It will make sense in a minute. <laughs> I don't think it will. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 it I, I actually had to go through the lyrics in my head then. No. <laughs> you are funny. Like the desert's um, missed the rain. That's the, yeah. that's the line. I know, yeah, yeah. I, I, got, I got to, to that line I'm in my head. <laughs> it's just it's just how these things go through your head in such a split second, I don't get it. <laughs> but I, I, I'm a very lyrical person. Mm. Song, song lyrics so and song titles are, yes. Well, we won't go into that one. <laughs> no, we won't. Um, and the reason we won't is because we're actually going to head over and um, catch up with uh, Hedaya for this month. Um, stay with us. You're listening to Shout Out. We'll be back in a minute. My five on Shout Out. Dear Shout Out Radio listeners, my name is Osman. I volunteer for an organisation called Hedaya. Our mission is to provide support and welfare for LGBTQI plus Muslims and promote social justice and education around the queer Muslim community to counter discrimination, prejudice and injustice. This month is LGBT History Month and I would like to share examples of queer Muslims from the past. From Andalusia under the Moors to North Africa and the Middle East, Arab cultures have made space for male love even though that space has often been hidden by a curtain of silence. Women were closely guarded in Muslim society and thus unavailable for illicit relationships. Men therefore have traditionally turned to each other for love and sexual relief. This love manifested in many ways. At one extreme, it was pure religious practice where Sufi holy men gazed upon each other to get closer to God. And at the other extreme, libertine poets like Abu Nawaz celebrated their gay conquests with stories around homoerotic love from A Thousand and One Nights. Abu Nawaz is one of my favourite poets. He is well known in the Middle East, however not so well known in the West. Abu Nawaz was born in the mid-8th century. He was of mixed Arab and Persian parentage. Contrary to convention, his poetries did not deal with traditional Bedouin themes, but celebrated life in the city and the joys of wine drinking, homoerotic love and vulgar humour. When Harun al-Rashid ascended the throne as the fifth Abbasid Caliph, Abu Nawaz quickly became a court favourite. Harun al-Rashid ruled the Abbasid Empire at the zenith of its power and prestige, and under his patronage, science and the arts flourished. A great classic of Arabic literature, The Thousand and One Nights, was written under al-Rashid, and the prominence of Abu Nawaz in the court and in Baghdad society is illustrated by him being included in several of the stories in the collection. His poems are rife about descriptions of beautiful men in bathhouses or hammams, and a complete disregard to the rules of haram and halal in Islam. I think Abu Nawaz, like so many queer Muslims, was able to reconcile his faith and sexuality, and examples of this can be seen in some of his poetry. While his works were in circulation freely until the early years of the 20th century, 
The first modern censored edition of his work was published in Cairo in 1932. In January 2001, sadly, the Egyptian Ministry of Culture ordered the burning of some 6,000 copies of books of Abu Nawaz's homoerotic poetry. And even in the Saudi Global Arabic Encyclopedia, entry for Abu Nawaz, all mentions of homosexuality were omitted. This is just one example of a classical queer poet from Islamic history. Another good example is Hafiz. From the dawn of Persian poetry in the 9th century all through to the early 20th century, not only was homosexuality condoned in Persian poetry, but in fact, homoeroticism was the main topic of much of Persian love poetry, referred to as ghazals. In, in Persia, homosexuality and homoerotic expressions were tolerated in numerous public places from monasteries and seminaries to taverns, military camps, bathhouses, and even coffeehouses. In the early Safavid era, between 1501 to 1723, male houses of prostitution, mardkani, were legally recognised and paid taxes. Persian poets such as Saidi, Hafiz and Jami wrote poems full of homoerotic allusions. Poet Hafiz was my dad's favourite poet. My mum says that my dad recited Hafiz on their wedding day and he is well known in my family and the community I grew up in. However, surprise, surprise, what everyone failed to mention to me was his love for men. Persian poet Hafiz grew up in Shiraz. Very little is known about his life, but it is thought that he may have memorised the Quran after hearing his father recite passages. Hafiz became a poet at the court of Abu Ishaq and also taught at a religious college. He is one of the most celebrated of Persian poets, and his influence can be felt to this day. As the author of numerous ghazals expressing love, spirituality and protest, he and his work continue to be important to Iranians and many of his poems are used as proverbs or sayings and even Queen Victoria was said to have consulted Hafiz's work in times of need. Hafiz is believed to be one of the most important contributors to Iranian classical poetry and while he is known to Iranians as the poet of profound and romantic love and to the Western audience as a great mystic poet, the majority Arguably, all of his poetical romantic references describe young men. These are just two examples of queer Muslims from the past. Thank you so much for listening, and please do follow us on social media. Thank you. If you have a story you could tell in five minutes, get in contact. Visit us online at shoutoutradio.lgbt. Shout out. LGBT radio for you. The Shout Out Podcast. Uh, Ollie Murs there and a uh, heart skips a beat. Haven't heard that one in ages. I did, I did the usual. Yeah. I just like um, asked my music collection for random selections, um, which is what I do when I'm just like, I can't think of what song to put in this week. And, uh, that was one of the ones, all the songs Good choice. Tonight, um, were all just picked at random by by my um, MP3 player. <laughs> there you go. I was going to say, it's, it's a great track and mm. uh, brings, it brings back memories of sunshine and uh, the summer. So. Yeah, I think it was somewhere around 2011 or 12 that song came out or something like that. Gosh, I think it's 2011. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Well, Go back then. And you think, and you think it wasn't like, that long ago, but actually that was 10 years ago. 10 years ago. <laughs> Just say it's a lo- it's it's surprising how time flies, as they say. Indeed, yeah. 
so yeah. anyway to give you a heads up Andy so you can come up with a tenuous link the next sort of not the next well actually the one later on is Emperor's New Clothes oh <laughs> mm. yeah <laughs> so there are lo- okay. lots of things you could think- tenuously link to to that one I'm sure I was trying to find something I mean, just look at Steph's frock if you want some kind of, like, inspiration. <laughs> well, I, I, I was actually thinking about uh, about the, na- the name of the band, because obviously the name of the band also reminds me of a particular song by Electric Six. Ah, Panic at the Disco, yeah. Anyway, yes. um, we've we got a little bit more show to do before then, because we've got an interview before that song, haven't <laughs> we? Yeah. Um, Rose, Terry, are you up for some news headlines? We, we certainly are. are. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> This is the shout-out news headlines on Thursday the 18th of February. Out Traveller, the Liberal Daily, The Guardian and the fortnightly US gay magazine The Advocate are amongst those reporting that LGBTQI people have taken their place in the broad coalition of groups protesting in Myanmar against the seizure of power by the state's military who have placed democratic politicians under house arrest and have established a dictatorial junta. Myanmar used to be called Burma and was once a British colony in Southeast Asia and it's from this period Out Traveller bloggers point out that anti gay laws stem. LGBTQ people taking part in the demonstrations are challenging attitudes and apparently drag queens in full regalia have been welcomed with applause by other protesters. However, things are very dangerous as well. Al Jazeera says that the military junta have made serious threats against the protesting groups and getting good quality information from Myanmar is difficult. The well-respected African-Caribbean weekly The Voice reveals shocking evidence that the Conservative government is kicking savagely back against the Black Lives Matter movement and other campaigns such as LGBTQ Pride. The Department of Education claims that what it describes as free speech is under attack on British university campuses, although its own internal report, dated 2018, found that there were no systematic no systemic campaign forcing academics to be silenced for right-wing views. In addition, LGBTQ and environmental groups fear that the free speech campaign is a thinly disguised attempt at empowering traditional powerful people such as... Sorry, I think we've got some technical problems there. The National LGBTQI Support and Pastoral Care Group for Roman Catholics, Quest, is still aiming to hold its conference in July. The event should take place in Manchester. The organisation is hopeful that COVID restrictions will have been lifted by then. All people who are interested are welcome at the conference, for which booking is essential. You do not necessarily need to be a Roman Catholic. Speakers at the event will include Professor Gerard Laughlin from the Theology Department at Durham University, Dr. Luca Badini Confalioneri and Dr. Anne Marie Martindale. These Catholic experts will be discussing the effects of the latest thinking in Catholicism. West Midlands LGBTQ radio network Gorgeous FM reports that many people have expressed a desire for a memorial to be erected to activist Mark Ashton in Northern Ireland where he grew up. Mr Ashton was a prominent activist on the London gay scene in the 1980s, prior to his sad death in 1987. 
He was a friend to Jimmy Somerville and Richard Coles of the Communards, who immortalised him in the HIV-era standard ballad for a friend. Mr Ashton was an experienced political activist and worked with the Communist Party of Great Britain and the Young Communist League to promote left-wing ideas within the LGBTQ communities and to promote gay emancipation within the political left. In 1984, with the Thatcher government engaged in bitter dispute with the National Union of Mine Workers, Ashton recognised the need for solidarity between the oppressed groups and co-founded the campaign Lesbians and Gays Support the Miners. And finally, the circle of time has been completed to misquote Davros, the wonderfully evil creator of the Daleks in television's Doctor Who. As with other long-standing science fiction franchises, Who is something of a family, and now one of the actors associated with its long history has apologised for what he called his stupid sexism in opposing the casting of a female in the lead role, and he's also said that he would like a person of colour to replace the current incumbent. Sylvester McCoy, who played the seventh incarnation of the Doctor as a brooding, slightly menacing manipulator between 1987 and 89, had told fans in 2015 that the role could only be played by a man. This week, however, in an interview with Radio Times, he said that he had been stupid and that the current Doctor, Jodie Whittaker, was a superb incarnation of the Time Lord. Mr McCoy said that he would welcome a person of colour as a future Doctor and was speaking amidst many rumours that Miss Whittaker is moving on from the programme. Mr McCoy's tenure as Doctor Who was not an easy period as the BBC One controllers were deliberately trying to kill off the programme at that stage. Nevertheless, under a gay producer called John Nathan Turner, McCoy charted a darker course than some of his predecessors and starred in some truly mind-bending stories including Remembrance of the Daleks, The Curse of Fenric and Ghostlight. One story called The Happiness Patrol is a clear commentary on Britain at the time of Section 28 and anti-union legislation and features a wonderfully camp performance by Sheila Hancock sending up Margaret Thatcher. And just in a news flash just come in, um, Western Supermare Pride have cancelled their Pride for this year. Other Prides are expected to follow. News on other cancellations across the country will be released midday Thursday. For these news stories in further detail and much, much more, you can always check out our website at shoutoutradio.lgbt. For Shout Out News, I've been Rose France. And I've been Terry Starr. Shout out news, national and international LGBT news for you. Shout out LGBT radio for you. The Shout Out Podcast. Uh, that's Glantis and the Runaway. Uh, they've done quite a few um, uh, tracks over the years, Glantis, and I think that's one of their old ones. So, I'm loving, loving our little chat that's going on the side. We'll have to mention, mention it in the Zoom. Because we're, we're, we're all remote, we're also using um, like a video hookup so we can all see and talk to each other. And uh, the subject of CB radios has just come up. And uh, for those of you old enough to remember them, you remember you used to use a handle as opposed to your actual name. And uh, yeah, Terry and his rubber ducky is, is currently the topic of conversation <laughs> at the moment. <laughs> Which is uh, interesting, so... Uh, <laughs> you can't quite read it. You can't quite read it. Well, rubber ducky. No. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, don't read that one out, please. Yeah. 
<laughs> anyway, moving swiftly on from what that rhymes with, um, Steffi, would you care to introduce your piece for the week? Yeah, it's very strange, and I was quite shocked to find out that 65% of LGBTQ people didn't realise that fostering and adopting was actually legal for mm. same-sex couples, um, which is, um, or, or um, single LGBTQ people come to that. Um, so I caught up with um, a fostering agency, Five Rivers. Right, quite often we've had on uh, shout out about adoption and, and fostering, um, but it doesn't sound as though the message is quite getting through still. Um, and one of those companies that are helping LGBTQ people uh, foster is Five Rivers, Adrian and Annabelle with me. Um, Adrian, you're one of the managers, um, correct me if I'm wrong. That's right, I'm the uh, service manager for the South West Service, which covers Bristol, Somerset, Swindon and Gloucester. Okay, and Annabelle, you're um, an LGBTQ fosterer. Yes. Okay. Okay. So first to you, Adrian, if you could uh, give us a bit of background to uh, Five Rivers uh, and what you do. Well, um, we do quite a few things, one of which is fostering, but we also run education, establishments and residential. But in in, in the fostering, um, we, we cover almost nationwide. We work with local authorities from around the country to provide high quality foster care at carers and foster placements for young people that need them. Um, we're a social enterprise, so that means um, that we must uh, reinvest in our service, um, so we'll, we have good resources to offer our foster carers um, because of the, the, the setup of being a social enterprise. Okay. Um, now, as, as far as the LGBTQ community um, goes, uh, give me some of the stats of, of the performance of, um, of LGBTQ people actually coming forward or, or think maybe, or have doubts. Well, some of the research that we've done suggests that 65 to 60% of um, people from the LGBTQ community in Bristol and surrounding areas don't think that they can foster, and that's just not true. Um, we we have a number of LGBTQ carers within our foster carer cohort, uh, and you know some of them are really really excellent carers, such as Annabelle here. Okay, now um, talking of um, Annabelle, <laughs> um, how easy did you find it, Annabelle? The the actual process from start to finish. Very easy in the sense. Um of who we are but it, we just went through the same process as everybody else um there were you know we didn't come across any problems no barriers um we just went through it exactly like everybody else okay um now what got you into it what 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 was your thought process first of all explain because sometimes there's confusion between adoption and fostering uh, explain that and why you chose fostering so after myself and sally we got married um, in 2012 and we were deciding what we wanted to do next with our with ourselves as uh, to make a family and we were talking about adoption and fostering and we did a lot of research into both um, and I think we actually came to the conclusion that there were so many children out there that needed a home um, that, and we looked into the, the fostering side of things we come up with the training the amount of support and training that's given um, we decided that we could help more children um, with that kind of training and support so that's how we ended up going down the fostering route okay now um, the the fostering now adoption is where you actually adopt a child as though it's your own but fostering is very difficult isn't it Annabelle because you have to maybe one day give that child back 
Potentially, yeah. We have we have had a couple of children that have um, done a reunification and returned home to parents, but majority of the children we look after are long term. And um, the three we have three children with us at the moment that are all long term. They'll all be staying until they're eighteen years old. Um, so you know we get to see them flourish through life we get to see them achieve things and become young independent adults which is really nice it's got to be from where i'm sat it's got to be really really difficult because um fostering is usually for children who who need that extra bit of love they do yeah they've all you know hugely difficult upbringings and beginnings in life and um normally a lot of trauma involved but that's where that's where we come into play and that's how we get to do the best work we can in helping to turn their lives around um, and and showing them that it doesn't need to affect the rest of their lives they get to for want of a better word you know lead a very normal life with with the yeah. right support and the right help um, yeah um adrian um back to you if i may um how what is the starting process uh, for somebody who wants to foster? Is it lots of background checks, lots of form fillings, lots of home checks? Uh, yeah, all of that. Um, so we'd start the process by people um, having a call with our um, specialist care and inquiry team and talk to them about what the prerequisites are for fostering, such as having a spare room, which um, you know obviously you would need. And then um, they will pass that inquiry over to us in uh, social work teams and we will then contact and go out and speak to uh, potential carers um, and, and you know explore their reasons for wanting to do it, let them know what support we can offer through training and, and, and various other um, forms of support that we offer. And, um, and then uh, if that's a positive visit, we will then send an application form out which when they return we will then allocate what's known as a, an S, Form F Assessor. So the Form F is like the big assessment that you have to do um, to be a foster carer. It's you know rightly quite robust um, but we support all applicants through that in a timely manner and um, you know um, at the end of that once they're approved by panel then we can start placing young people with them. Um, there, there's obviously a lot of prejudice out there from um, minority groups about um, LGBTQ families or same-sex couples um, fostering or adopting. Um, have you come across any of that prejudice Adrian? Not within Five Rivers. I agree that that prejudice is definitely out there, but I think we're we're quite a broad church, and um, you know our our LGBTQ carers work alongside carers from other communities and um, from you know heterosexual communities, and I've never really sensed any friction uh, within our organisation because I think everybody is very accepting that you know we have a diverse range of carers and that's really useful because it meets the diverse range of needs of our children uh yeah now going forward um adrian the, the obviously one of the big questions is how long do you put that support in for is it the the lifetime of the care until that child reaches adulthood any carer that's with us receives monthly supervision whether they've got a child in placement or not um, when they do have children in placement, there is um, 
that monthly supervision continues, but there is all sorts of other support through training. Maybe it's our service clinician providing advice, um, you know, providing more support at the beginning of children's placements to help them settle and work with the carer to get them to a stage where they are settled in the carer's care. Um, you know, it does, you know, when you're one of our carers, you receive support the whole time, yeah. Okay, so in other words, it's 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 backup for the life of the care. Yeah, we work with our carers to make sure they're getting everything they need to do the difficult job we ask them to do. Um, and I think you know Annabella would agree with me that um, although it has its challenges, there aren't there are a few things that are more rewarding than than being a foster carer. Right back to you, Annabelle. Then, and tell us, um, tell us about that support that, that that you get. Does it is it like um, a comfort zone for you that you know you've got somewhere to go? Absolutely, it's a huge safety net. You know, there are everyday challenges that we face um, in this role, and we've never got uh, we're never dealing with it alone. We've always got people on the end of a phone. Um, or you know teams meetings at the moment there's always somebody there if we need it and we've only got to make that call and we've got the support that we need yeah going back to the the, the prejudice against uh, same-sex couples and lgbtq um, fosters and adopters uh, uh, have you had any of that aimed at you annabelle no not at all and you know we're oh, that's really good thankful to hear. We're really yeah. lucky we can say yeah. that we just never come across it at all brilliant yeah, that is good. That is good. So going forward, so how do you, uh, are you now got this addiction to to help um, kids? I guess that you must be uh, must have been so trepidatious for the first one. Uh, how long ago was that? So we, we passed panel in 2013. So, yeah, we was um, the first one's always really nerve-wracking when you don't know what to expect but it it doesn't take long to get your feet under the table and because we have a huge amount of support and training you know we soon become fully fledged experienced carers because as soon as you start dealing with issues and situations and um, you've then got experience and you're about that other people necessarily might not have yep absolutely absolutely i from where i'm sat it just seems that um, there's nothing in the way no block at all uh, for LGBTQ people to um, to foster, um, Adrian. So, if people want to do that, how do they get in touch with you with you in the first instant and the website so they can actually get more uh, information? So, um, uh, first of all, there's a phone number for our carers inquiry team, which is zero three four five two six six. 0272 um, and they can also look at our website which is www.5rivers.org um, and then you know they go through the assessment process that we, we, we discussed earlier and then the following approval they're introduced to our carer reps of which Annabelle is one so that they have a sort of buddy in the local area to give them advice from a foster carer's perspective as well. Thank you. Thank you very much both and good luck. And I'm hoping that after this is broadcast that um, you'll have a lot more LGBTQ people coming forward to help in what is very, very challenging, but very, very rewarding role in society. Thank you, Annabelle. Thank you, Adrian. Thank you. Shout out LGBT radio for you.
the Shout Out Podcast. Uh, the Emperor's new clothes, and uh, that's what we were talking about. That's that by Panic uh, at the Instagram. So, uh, yeah, I'm sure loads of tenuous links there. Um, but um, uh, we're going to move on very, very quickly. Um, and um, we're going to talk about the lovely Anne Lister, who um, uh, I, I don't think we ever thought would actually turn into such an epic, multi-part uh, queer story. But it's something I find absolutely fascinating. I love the TV series. Um, and in this part, what does she actually look like? Welcome back to Queer Story, your LGBTQIA plus pod that travels through time to tell you important stories about incredible people. I can't quite believe that we are already at part three of four of the Anne Lister story. When I began researching the life of Anne Lister, I didn't anticipate that her story would take four pods. But due to her life, loves and coded diaries, I felt that it would be unfair to leave anything out. And so it's here in part three that I shall delve into Anne's final love affair and her love of travelling. And as I may have mentioned before, Anne died one year before the invention of the photograph, which is why we only ever see paintings as our reference to how she looked. If you want to see the portrait, it's easy to find with a quick Google, as well as being located in many of the books written about her life, many of which I've now read. Anne loved to travel. It was rare for a woman to show an interest in seeing the world. However, I expect it was not that other women weren't interested in leaving their towns, villages and cities to experience other cultures, but rather that their lives were vastly different to Anne's, namely due to a lack of finances and feeling that their loyalty to their families and or husbands and children meant that they were unable to go on adventures. So by 1824, Anne had travelled to Paris, a place of romance which was very fitting for someone who loved being around women. She immersed herself in the culture and learnt the language. She met some very sophisticated wealthy women, including Maria Barlow, a widow from Guernsey. Anne wrote that she fell for her ladylike and pretty new acquaintance, and it was here that Anne's coded diaries described her sexual liaisons in more detail than ever before. The decoding allows us to know that she wrote, I had kissed and pressed Mrs Barlow on my knee till I had a complete fit of passion. My knees and thighs shook, my breathing and everything told her what was the matter. Some people have referred to Anne's diaries as erotic. She goes to a lot of detail about her sexual experiences and left nothing to the imagination. But then I highly doubt that Anne ever thought anyone would be able to read her diaries, even if they were able to find them after her passing. And Anne only wrote the diaries for herself, not anybody else. The woman enjoyed a brief but intense affair, but Anne grew tired of Maria's fluctuating moods. She'd had enough, she left her and chose to return to Shibden without looking back. Another broken heart due to Anne's ability to quickly say goodbye and move forward and on to finding her next potential lover. Anne wrote that she was exhilarated by her wild but delightful wanderings. She would go on to explore more than a dozen countries over the next 15 years. And even the death of her beloved Uncle James, which led her to inherit her faded ancestral home of Shipton, failed to keep her rooted. It was then that Anne began to research Europe. She decided she wished to visit and conquer... 
Monte Perdido, and so she did. Monte Perdido is the third highest mountain in the Pyrenees. This really was exceptional for a woman of this time. She didn't care for social gender expectations at all and believed that she was not only equal to all men, but that quite often she was above them with both her intellectual and physical capabilities. She understood many languages by this point and had a vast understanding of geography. After completing her climb, she wrote, The view was magnificent, particularly towards Spain. The perfect solitude, the profound stillness that gave me a sensation I had never had before. She was soon forced to return to Halifax and Shibden when her money ran dry. She wrote, I have been an Icarus, but shall fall less fatally, for I can still live and be happy, she wrote. Here I am at 41, with a heart to seek. What will be the end of it? Upon her return, Anne chose to focus on the family businesses. Shibden Hall had belonged to the Lister family for more than 200 years, a medieval manor house tucked behind a hill. Its black and white facade hid a network of dark rooms within. She was angry at being forced to return to Halifax, but chose to channel this anger into reviving her ancestral home. After spending much of the past decade in a succession of elegant resorts, she now coveted a grander home and beautifully manicured gardens. And so, here was where she revolutionised the estate's finances. Halifax's recent industrial boom had produced a huge demand for coal, and Anne's keen eye recognised the opportunity to expand Shibden's financial intake. Due to Anne's work on at Shibden and her strength of character, she asserted herself to a point where she took over the family business and also had success in coal mining and this caused a lot of anger with men who also mined but her sheer determination and forceful approach meant that these men had to back down this is explored well in the tv drama gentleman jack so if you haven't watched this i highly recommend it and told her diary how a coal merchant she had driven a hard bargain with complained he'd never been beaten by a lady but i had beaten him <laughs> For all its perceived faults, Anne wrote that she felt most at home at Shibden, remarking, I have been happier here than anywhere else. It was now that Anne met her new love, Anne Walker. Anne notes that she was reserved, shy and a very nervous 29-year-old heiress from a larger neighbouring estate. They had met 20 years earlier when they were just teenagers, but now it was Anne who decided that she wished for Miss Walker to become more than a friend and so began to shower her with time, affection and many a sexual advance. So what happened next? Well, the story, of course, does not end here. I shall continue in part four, the final pod of the Anne Lister story, where you will hear a lot more about the development of the two Anne's relationship and where that then took them. I hope you've been enjoying Queerstory. I'll be back in two weeks' time to conclude this wonderful story. If you have any feedback about this pod or have anyone you'd like to see covered, please tweet at shoutout underscore radio. You can listen to these pods again via Spotify and Apple Podcasts as well as our website www.shoutoutradio.lgbt. For information about Shoutout Radio, visit us online at shoutoutradio.lgbt. Shoutout. LGBT Radio for you.
The Shout Out Podcast. Steph, come down. You're getting a bit too old to do that. <laughs> you're only as old as the person you're feeling at the time. Uh, <laughs> well, in dog years, I mean, uh, poor thing behind you. <laughs> no, I've had to uh, put I've had to put Oscar out because um, the snoring this four, week. Isn't is, he? I know it's, uh, <laughs> Well, he's six years old, whatever. So Ruby is the old one. She's uh, she's fourteen years old. So yeah, seven, she's seven, cracking on. Dog years, yeah. Seven seven years for one of ours, isn't it? With dogs, I'm sure. Something like that. No idea. Like what is it for gay gay people? Our lifetime. <laughs> a thousand a thousand years for every six. Oh, well, we're, we're terrible. Yeah. This, <laughs> the, the, there's a really good link because um, Rizzle Kicks actually appear. On the uh, on Oliver's heart skips a beat. So oh got yes, both yes. You got the link. You got the link. Oh yes. 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 Well, link well done, records. mythical MP3 player. Yeah, honest, it was me. <laughs> <laughs> so. And if you're, if you're American, they they would refer to fag butts in that song. Of course, in America, Americans might not know that refers not to anything rude, but to <laughs> no. cigarettes. cigarettes. <laughs> yes. yes. British British slang. Mm. I don't don't smoke Sorry, these years, but I do remember. In, in Orlando a few years ago saying, saying to this guy can I buy a packet of fags he just looked at me <laughs> <laughs> exactly exactly oh, any fags did come in packets in that sense <laughs> can I ask if you saw um, Love Simon on film 4 did anyone see that on Sunday Love I Simon I did, no. did you, have you seen that yes no it stars Nick Robinson it's a lovely gay coming of age drama it was made in 2018 it's quite oh. sweet it's, it's this generation beautiful thing if you remember oh, those of us right. that were around in the 90s oh god yes I love things. that it's a lovely film. gay love story do you know yeah. what's so, so bad about movies like that four. though um, yes it should be yes but you know what's so bad about that though it's um, I mean I, I was given Beautiful Thing on, on VHS believe it or not that shows how old it was when I was 18 <laughs> um, by some friends who were kind of helping me come to terms with, with coming out they're like Look, what, watch this it kind of it's kind of your story but the other way around kind of thing I'm like okay fair enough so I watched it and it's like I fancied Stee something rotten and, and I was 18 at the time. and I watch yes. it now and I'm 42 and I'm like it feels rather wrong to fancy Stee now I'm 42 oh, <laughs> Scott Neal is the actor Scott yeah. Neal is his name uh, he's got some wonderful lines in it Jonathan Harvey a great um uh, gay playwright yeah. yeah and of course they've gone on um, yeah. um, quite a few of them have been in or still are in EastEnders even now um, I mean my face done very well for herself yeah yeah. Um, yes and the girl that played Leah um, is also in EastEnders as well yes yes I know who you mean yes I can't uh, Leah? remember Leah <laughs> 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 yes, yes I like the line I like the line um, you're you're drunk from a beep Gay bar. How do you know it's Because yeah. it's got a ruddy great pink neon arse outside. Wonderful British London's humour line. <laughs> bit like the line from Pride, isn't it? Where someone says to the, the girl driving the bus, where are you off to? She says, we're all off to Swansea for a girt big Les office. <laughs> 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 Absolutely fantastic. Uh, so they do come out with some some corkers. It's brilliant. So yeah, yeah I have um, another note, Terry, that you mentioned was that B two four seven are starting their own LGBTQ pod. And yes. uh, yeah, we've had them on the show, haven't we? 
Yes, Loey sort of uh, yes. sat in. She's, yeah. uh, or they, sorry, I should get my pronouns right, my, my apologies. They are hosting a pod which is kind of more a discursive investigation of a different theme to do with LGBTQ Bristol. And that's going to be published, I believe, each month on b247.com. Yeah. Excellent. So, well done to them. You know, it's there's room for all of us, and I think that it's nice that we've helped bring on, you know, different talent like we did with the um, the Hidaya and Mermaids and everybody else. You know, yeah, too true, Terry. Too true. Um, and um, we will bring you more news next week about what's going on with uh, Pride. We have had some news from uh, Western Pride that um, mm. they are moving things by another year, including um, um, the kind of what's the big one called? Is it UK Pride? It's something like that, isn't it? Yeah. Yes, yeah, UK yeah. Pride. Yeah, um, yeah, we'll bring you more some more of that next come. week. So, uh, anyway, that's it for another week. Uh, but more LGBT history stuff still to come yet this month. Don't forget, you can listen again anytime on all good podcast services or online at shoutoutradio.lgbt. So, carry on next week. Um, it's Tatchell time as we um, talk to the lovely Peter Tatchell, who we've had on the show many times. Uh, but from myself, from Terry, from Rose, from Andy, and from the lovely Steffi, say bye bye, everyone. <laughs> bye bye, everyone. Shout out. LGBT Radio for you.